This morning's scripture comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had began to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew, that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house, opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord, it is, it is the Lord that let him do what he seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. There are so many great images in the Old Testament. Who can forget the ark with all those animals on it? The burning bush, the parting of the Red Sea. How many sermons and pieces of art have shown the great images of the valley of dry bones, the lion's den, or the sacrifice of Isaac. But today I want to argue for an image that I think has not gotten its fair due in Christianity. I want to argue for tingling ears. Now... To my knowledge, tingling ears have never been used in our hymns or our liturgies. I have never seen tingling ears on a stained glass window. 
The Sistine, chapter, the Sistine Chapel holds no tingling ears. You will not find mugs with tingling ears or tingling ears potholders, as you will many other Christian stories. Maybe I'm just weird, but when I re- read this passage, I am fascinated by these tingling ears. So today, I want to help you understand the tingling ears. And to do that, you've got to understand the story. And to do that, you have to pay a little bit of attention to the Hebrew. So is there a slide here? Okay, most of you don't know Hebrew. So I have given you a cheat sheet, okay? So we will refer to our Hebrew cheat sheet every once in a while so that you can kind of keep up with what's going on. First, let's get the context of this story. There's this prophet named Eli. This is at the end of the period of the judges. L is the word for God, L. So whenever you hear a name with L in it, it's probably something related to God. Eli is uh, actually the word my God. You put the I on the end and you get my God. So his name is my God. And he's been a pretty good prophet for the days of the, the judges for difficult times, except he had one glaring problem. He had two sons that the Bible calls worthless sons. Now, when the Bible calls you worthless, it's not a good thing, okay? And he had trained them up to be priests, but the problem was they were skimming. So off of a lot of the offerings, they were keeping a lot of the meat rather than sacrificing it to God. They were taking more than their share. They were abusing the people by asking them for more. And the Lord has rejected Eli and his sons. He hasn't spoken to them in a while. Eli tries to rebuke his sons, but they won't listen, and so he just sort of lets them go. Now, part of Eli's story relates to a woman named Hannah. Hannah could not have any children, and uh, even though she was uh, at a later age, she'd been waiting and praying for, to God, and Eli one time hears her praying, and uh, actually she's praying and she's moving her lips, but nothing's coming out, and he assumes she's been drinking in the story. You should go read it. It's very funny. Okay. He assumes she's been drinking, but she's been praying. She's praying to the Lord. And he said, well, then what are you praying about? And she tells the story of how she has not had any children. And uh, Eli says, because you want this so much, because you prayed, God, God bless you with a child. And uh, she makes a commitment that if she does have a child, she, he's going to be dedicated to the Lord. And so she names him Samuel. Now, the word Shema is the word to listen or to hear. And uh, so we've got Shema, and El is God, so God has heard, becomes Samuel. So when we say it, we don't have a Sha in there, but Samuel means God has heard. It's a combination of Shema and El, God. Now we're told that the word of the Lord is rare in those days, and there are not frequent visions. The word for word is the word devar, okay? And, and this is an especially important word for this text because there's a lot of playfulness with this word. The word devar is a verb. It means to speak. When it's a noun, it means speech or word. It can also sort of mean thing. And it's a big understanding in the Old Testament. The idea is that when God creates the world, how does he create the world? Speech. Through his word, he speaks the world into existence. He says, let it be, and it is. And part of the understanding of the Bible is that God doesn't just speak the world into existence, but that he continues to speak the world into existence. That the world keeps turning because God keeps whispering to it. So the word of the Lord is this constant effort and work of God 
in this world. John, by the way, picks this up in the New Testament when he said, in the beginning was the word, right? Now, he's speaking Greek, so he's not, going, he's not using devar, but he is coming up with this idea that this presence of God that keeps the world moving, that's Jesus. And he puts Jesus in the middle of this tradition. So, devar. The word of the Lord hasn't been around. Now, there's different ways that you hear the word. Sometimes in the Bible, God speaks his word audibly. So he speaks to the prophets, and then they share the word of the Lord. Sometimes there's also a vision. And so the book tells us that there's not been a lot of words from the Lord, and there's not been a lot of vision. We haven't heard from God in a while. Well, why is that? Because the person that's supposed to be hearing the word of the Lord is in trouble with the Lord because of his sons. Okay? So... God hasn't spoke in a while. It's a dark time. And the text has this great way of showing it. The person who is supposed to hear from, the word, from God, Eli, meaning my God, is on God's bad side. And he's sitting there. He's supposed to be taking care of the candle of the Lord. And the text says the candle of the Lord is still going in the temple. Okay? It still hasn't gone out. That, temple was, that candle was to represent God's presence. So here's what it's saying. Even though it's dark... We haven't heard from God in a while. He's still there. His presence is still lit there. But we haven't seen it in a while. And, and you know who really hasn't seen it in a while? Is Eli. Because in the text, he's blind. Okay? He's blind not just physically. He can't see the light. But he's blind spiritually at this point. He can't see God's presence. He hasn't heard from God in a long time. Just because, though... You haven't heard from God in a long time. Doesn't mean God isn't present and God isn't close. Important distinction there. So because he's blind, he has this young man, this boy, we're not totally sure his age, named Samuel. God has heard working for him because his mom had dedicated him to the temple. And Eli is blind, so he can't do a lot of the work. So Samuel is working there for Eli. A word of the Lord hasn't been heard in a long time, but suddenly, in the middle of the night, to this boy, this teenager, um, maybe when they say boy in those days, teenager, well, for us, was probably like an adult now. So we may be a 10-year-old, 12-year-old Samuel, hears a noise, a voice, Samuel. And he gets up and he assumes it's Eli because he's never heard the devar the word of the Lord before. He's never heard God's presence. He is not aware of God. Okay, he just knows Eli. So he runs and he says, Eli, here I am. You call for me. Now, Eli, uh, Eli does not know what's going on. Maybe it's because he hasn't heard a word from the Lord in a long time. So he's not expecting God to speak. How sad is that? That the prophet of the Lord, that's supposed to be the person that hears on behalf of the people, isn't even expecting God to speak. He's not even expecting a devour from the Lord. Maybe he's just sleepy, too. How many of you parents can attest to uh, kids running into your room to say something to you, and you don't even know what they said, just send them back to bed? Like, if they're not bleeding or dying, go back to bed. Okay, so Samuel said, I didn't call for you, go back to bed. Or Eli said, Samuel hears the voice again. Again, Eli says, I did not call you, go back to bed. But Samuel's such a good servant, right? He like, I swear I heard a voice, right? I heard him say something. So he goes again, and then a third time he goes. 
And this time, Eli has a, a realization. Maybe who he's hearing from is the word of the Lord. Maybe there's a devar coming to this boy. I remember I used to get those, Eli says. I used to get those back in the day. And wouldn't it... Samuel's working in the temple. You guys got that? So one place you probably should expect God to show up and speak. But finally, Samuel gets it. Uh, Finally, Eli gets it. He tells Samuel what to do. So in the third encounter, the text gives us this great detail. It says that God stood... The Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. So uh, we've been talking about the word of the Lord, Devar, but also vision. And here's God doing both for Samuel. He comes, he stood so Samuel can see him, and he gives a word, and he says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says what Eli tells him to say, speak for your servant hears. Now in English, that just sounds like a phrase, but now that you know a little Hebrew, you understand that that's actually a loaded phrase. Okay, because when he says speak, what's the word for speak? Devar. Okay, devar. He says, Devar, give me a word. Give me a word for your servant hears. And what's here? Shema. It's in his name. Okay, his name is Shema. Now the one who his name as God has heard is hearing a word for himself. So he says, speak for your servant. Listen. And then we get the tingling ears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now, there's a great thing here going on again, okay? Because we're talking about word of the Lord, audible, and vision of the Lord, visual, right? And what does the Lord say? Behold, I am about to do a thing that when you hear it, Okay, behold, visual word. Okay, watch, watch what's going to happen. But when you hear it, okay, God is giving both vision and word again. Okay, actually, the word thing there is also the word devar, because devar could sometimes mean thing. So he said, guess what? I'm about to do a devar. I'm about to give a word. And when you shema it, when you hear it, see, we're still playing with these words. When you hear it, everybody's ears are going to tingle. Now, the word for tingle is tsa'al, salal. Yeah, I'm glad none of you know Hebrew because you would know how bad I'm saying these. Salal. Okay, it means to tingle or to quiver. Now, we, we translate it tingle because our lips quiver, but I don't think our ears quiver. So I think tingle is probably the better translation here. What I, what I wonder is, what is a tingling ear? Like, what is that? Is it like a numbness, like pins and needles, like you've been sitting on your foot too long? Um, We have a phrase that when someone is talking, your ears are what? Burning, right? Is it a burning sensation in your ears? Uh, We also have this phrase that when something weird is going on and we get this kind of sixth sense about something, the hairs on the back of our neck stand up, right? Now, the Hebrew doesn't say this is at all ear hair related, okay? It just says it's tingling ears. I don't know if it's ear hair or not, but it's this sort of other sense that when people hear it, something goes on. Something goes on. How do you know if it's the word of the Lord or not? Okay, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of voices in my life. And, uh, and a lot of us hear a lot of voices in our head. Now, if you hear too many, that's a bad thing. 
right? But we have all these thoughts in our heads and all these things that run through. And, and how do we know if it's the voice of the Lord or not? Well, I think this passage points to kind of another sense, a sixth sense almost, that when we hear about something the Lord is up to, we get a little excited. We get a little tingling. We get a little, little sense that, oh, God is doing something here. By the way, this idea of tingling ears is used two other times in scriptures. In 2 Kings 2 and in Jeremiah 19, and in both cases, they're a bad kind of tingling. Okay? They're tingling that comes because God is going to bring destruction. And when people hear about the destruction, it's going to be a bad thing and they're going to get worried. So it appears that there are sort of good tingles and bad tingles. And these are sort of good tingles and bad tingles, by the way. Because for Eli, this is not a good sense, right? For Eli, this is not good news. Eli, your sons aren't coming back. Eli, your sons are never going to be blessed. The curse that I have pronounced in your family is going to come true. But at the same time, it's good news. It's good news because God is up to something. Because God is up to something that you can sort of sense, that you can sort of feel. You get sort of this tingling But Samuel goes back to bed. He doesn't go tell Eli right away. Maybe because Eli had been grumpy the first couple times and been sleepy. Or maybe because he knows it's not very good news for Eli. But when Eli gets up, he says, Samuel, don't don't spare any details. You tell me what the devar, what the word of the Lord was and what you saw. Why? Because I think Eli was probably hungry for it. He hadn't heard the word of the Lord in a long time. And so Samuel has to bravely share with him this news that it's not going to be good for Eli and his family. But then look at Eli's response. He's not mad. He's not angry. He's not jealous of Samuel. When he says this, that's God's word. How am I going to argue with the devour the word of the Lord? It's the Lord's word that's coming. And so Samuel is so brave and faithful But Eli is too. I mean, in the story, Samuel says famously, here I am, here I am, here I am. But but also in a way, Eli says, here I am too. And amazingly, Eli says, here I am, too bad news. It's one thing if God says, I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff you really want. And you say, well, here I am. It's another thing when God tells you, I'm going to give you some things you really don't want and are really going to be a bother for you. To say, here I am. So Samuel grew, as did his reputation as a prophet. Not only was he God has heard, but he many times heard the word, the devour of the Lord. In fact, the text says that none of Samuel's words ever fell to the ground. Well, what's the word for word? Devour. That in some way, the words of Samuel are also the words of the Lord, and they come through. Samuel ends up anointing the first king, Saul, then the second king, David. And out of that Davidic line comes Jesus, the word became flesh. Now, I know this is a weird story. I don't know that you've ever talked about this story quite the same way. And I don't know how much thought you've given to tingling ears in the Bible. But I think it's a really interesting text. See, this is a time of transition. It's a time of change. We've had the period of the judges 
where, where the people do what's right in their own eyes. They're not really governed. And then these people step up, sometimes prophets, sometimes uh, judges, to kind of bring the people back. But it's not working. Every generation, they keep falling off. They keep falling off. And so God is not just with Samuel doing uh, a little something new. He's going to really start something new for Samuel. Samuel is sort of the last of the judges, and he sort of becomes the first of these new wave of prophets, and he brings in the kings. It's a time of transition and a time of change and a passing of the baton between Eli and Samuel. I mean, really what's going on in this passage is Eli is losing power and Samuel is getting power. And it's really kind of an awkward transition for both of them. They're not sure they want to talk about it. How often do we go through those times of transition? Derek even talked about it at the beginning of the service. Where we go back to school, where we start new jobs, where we join a new church, where we have a new pastor. I've been thinking about transitions a lot this week because my kids have started school. And uh, a lot of kids have started school, but my kids have been cyber schooled, which means they could go to school and never get out of their pajamas. That's all the time. Okay, we've never packed lunches before. We've never had drop off and pick up before. There's all kinds of new going on. And uh, my daughter came home from school and said, Dad, we waste so much time. You know, because she could just read all her stuff. She said, when we go to the bathroom, 20 people have to go to the bathroom. And instead of me just reading it through, we've got to stop. Teacher's got to call on somebody else. Then they've got to start reading. She's just aware of how different it is. It's been a week of transition for my kids. And I guess I didn't realize how much of a week of transition it was going to be for me and my wife, too. It's just different. But how often do we go through those times? How often do we go through those times of transition? And, and I wish in those times of transition that God sometimes felt closer. I wish that sometimes, uh, sometimes in those transitions it's where I feel like I'm on my own. And I'm trying to scramble through this. And, I, and how many of you just wish God would just show up and give you a word? Like how many of you wish maybe God, God does this. So don't be surprised if sometime in your life God just speaks to you. He can do that. But, uh, but more often than not, it's not us that gets to devour the word of the Lord. I wish he would. Jordan, don't do that. It will be bad. Jordan, don't invest in that person. It'll be a waste. Jordan, uh, Pursue that opportunity. It looks silly now, but it's going to be great in six months. Jordan, it, it'll be okay in the end. But God doesn't often speak like that in those transition times as much as I wish he would. In fact, if God ever did talk to you or give you a vision, many of us would run to antipsychotic drugs, right? We are not ready for that kind of God that's so intimate. And maybe... That's our fault. Maybe we should be. But more often than not, discerning God's will isn't about hearing a word from the Lord. It's not about seeing a vision from the Lord. It's about getting a sense, a kind of tingling, a tingling in our ears. And it's hard to hear. And it's hard to hear when you're busy. And it's hard to hear when you're in transition and you're worried. But I think sometimes God really does lead by this other sense that we can't quite put our fingers on. My dad has a way of describing it. He says, when you discern God's will, what you really need to do is know in your knower. And I've always told him, Dad, I don't think that's real helpful. 
know in your knower. But it is like that. Discerning God's will is often just feeling a tingling, feeling a sense that God is leading somewhere. And that's really hard to discern sometimes. How do you know whether it's God's word, God's devour for you or not? Well, some of it is community. Some of it is like Eli and Samuel. Samuel has to figure out with Eli what this word is. He doesn't understand it. He's never experienced. So sometimes what we need to do is talk to each other about what's God saying to us. But that's intimidating for us. And sometimes we've just got to pray and we've got to be involved in our spiritual discipline. So when we hear it, feel that little tingling, oh, that's what that is. Do we really know the Lord or have we fallen asleep? Do we expect God to speak? Do we recognize the call of God and discern it from others? Are we willing, good or bad, whatever God calls us, whatever the tingling leads us to, are we willing to say, here I am? Here I am. I will follow your word. And so there's some strange Hebrew in this passage and there's some some strange tingling ears, but I think they give us pause to think of how we listen to God in our lives. And so, to end, I want to give you a blessing. This may be the first liturgical use of tingling ears. Okay? But I wrote a blessing for today. May God's word tingle your ears. May you have the strength to follow that tingling. And may God's work in your life tingle the ears of others. Amen.